He, 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 we, ended up, we end up in those places in life where we're defeated, we're discouraged, we're bummed out because we've got these trials, not understanding that Jesus has already purchased and secured the victory and he has completely given it to you. Are you hearing me? You, you are victorious. You are, the Bible says that you are more than a conqueror. And, and what does more than a conqueror mean? It means that you won and you didn't have to show up to the race. You know, we, we, we watched the Olympics a few weeks ago, and, and it, you got the gold, and you never had to enter into the Olympics. You, you won. That's what Jesus did. He, he gave you the victory. He, he entered the race. He paid the price. He won. He did battle. And now you are victorious. You're the victor. Well, we've been looking at this, and we've been looking at this idea of spiritual warfare in the context of our faith and really rediscovering that victory and that, that place. And, you know, the question that we have to ask ourselves is what happens, what happens when everything blows up? Has anybody ever had anything blow up on you? I mean, a situation, a circumstance just get out of control. Yeah, I mean, come on, think about it for a moment. We've all been there. We've, we've all been in those places where the wall that comes against us seems to be unmovable or, or the circumstances have, are too much. We're believing God for a miracle and, and you know, only, things only get worse. You ever had that happen? You're, you're, you're believing God, you're believing, you know, or you're trusting God for finances and then you lose your job. Think about it for a moment. It's like, God, I'm, I'm going I'm to, you know what, I'm going to pay my tithe. I'm going to give offerings besides I'm believing you for abundance. And guess what? Boom, you lost your job. And it's like, really? Okay, I got you. I got, I got your number on that one. And then you're, you're struggling. Or how about been doing? You're, you're doing what you believe is the will of God for your life, only to be continually resisted and hindered, harassed. Or you, you know, you're walking in faith, trusting his words, standing on the promises, but you feel utterly alone. Have you ever been there? Well, of course, we've all been there. We, we've all done that. So what do we do? What do we do when it all blows up? And is there anything the Bible says about it all blowing up? Well, there is in 1 Thessalonians chapter 2, verses 17 through 18. It says this. It's not on the board. I'll just read it to you. It says, but we... Paul's writing to the Thessalonians, he says, But we, brethren, having been taken away from you for a short time in presence, not in heart, endeavored more eagerly to see your face with great desire. Therefore, we wanted to come to you, even I, Paul, time and time again, but Satan hindered us. Listen to this verse. He says, We endeavored more eagerly to see you face to face. He says, this was a great desire. We wanted this and we believed God was in it. It was no small thing. That's what he's saying. He says, but what happened is we ended up getting hindered. And we've talked about this before, that word hindered. It's interesting, the word hindered in the Greek is the Greek word egkopto. So if you say, well, how do you write the egg, E-G-G, Cop, C-O-P-T-O-W. That's not how you spell it, but that's how I spell it. Edcopto. And there's only two ways to really translate that word. The first way to translate that word is having the road blown up in front of you. The devil kind of throws a smart bomb out there. He, he throws something in our way. It's a hindrance, and he blows up the, the road. That's the Greek version. That's the Greek definition of that. Another way to interpret it is to, have, to be in a race. Have you ever been in a, a race, or maybe a, probably a better way to express this is a basketball game, and they, you know, they check you. You get that elbow check. 
You know what I'm talking about? Or somebody pushes. How about this? Let's, let's get it down to Kingman. You're at Walmart. Uh-oh. And you're getting in line. You, you know, you, you know the, the express lane where there's only 15 items or less? That there's always somebody with 45 items. And you're counting them. You know, and then some, somebody comes along and they push your cart. That, that's a cop toe. That's being hindered. That's them pushing you out of the way. That's what Paul is describing. And the thing that's interesting to me is he says this. He uses the words. He says, he goes, even I, Paul. See, so many times we think that that kind of thing shouldn't happen to really strong Christians. But Paul's letting us know that kind of thing is happening to him. And it'll happen to us. And it happened over and over and over again that he was hindered in this process. And we've all felt the elbow of the enemy trying to knock us out of the race. But what we've got to do is we've got to ask ourselves, what do we do? What, what do we do when our faith is challenged? What happens when egcopto, when we're, our family is being hindered, our marriage? Anybody ever have a marriage hindered? Have the road blowed up in front of you? Get elbow from, no, that's another sermon, right? Yeah, no, no, I know it got quiet right there. It's like, holy cow, now he's meddling. Well, somewhere along the line, that's what he's talking about on a job, in a ministry, our health. You know, all kinds of things. We encounter setbacks and hindrances to our faith. And so what I want to do is to close this out is I want to kind of take a viewpoint of what we do when it all blows up. The question is, does the Bible deal honestly with somebody that's truly having something blow up in front of them? And the answer is yes. And so what we're going to do is we're going to do something a little bit different, and I'm going to take you on a journey through a story in the book of Acts. And so we're literally going to move through this story. It starts in Acts 27. And I want to give you some background about the story, because this is a story about Paul the Apostle. And the reason this is a great story is because we would think... Normally, that Paul the Apostle, being the man of God that he is and was, wrote two-thirds of the New Testament, all these things, is that he wouldn't encounter these kind of upsetting moments. You would think that Paul the Apostle had the kind of faith that would move mountains, right? You would think that things wouldn't happen. He wouldn't have the hiccups. But the truth is, they do. See, when Paul got saved, he was told relatively quickly that at some point in his life, in his ministry, that he would go to Rome and that he would preach the gospel before Caesar. Caesar was the most powerful man at the time in all of the world. Rome was the ruling force of the world at that time. And so Paul is being told by God, you're going to go to Rome at some point in your life and you are going to speak to Caesar. Well, after a series of events in Paul's life, he finds himself on a ship that's headed towards Rome. So this thing is beginning to unfold. He knows it. God has spoken to him. You're on your way. This is it. Well, after many days at sea, they end up in a place, a harbor called Fair Havens. And it's about winter time. And this is kind of where they're at. There's this place called Fair Havens, and they, they're taking on more supplies and stuff. Well, Paul goes to the, the people that are in charge, the captain of the boat and the centurion that's guarding him, and he goes to them and says, hey, listen, you guys need to understand something. If we go any further, there's real grave danger. Big things are going to happen, and we're, we may not live through this. 
This is, this is not good. We should stay here. We should winter here. We should stay here for the winter, and then when spring comes, then, then we can carry on. But because of pride and because of, uh, of arrogance, they go on. How many have ever had yourself pulled into something because of somebody else? You know, that happens all the time, doesn't it? Somebody, it's like, hey, this is not my fault. I, you know, I'm the one. Hey, I was the voice of reason. I, I'm the one said, hey, we ought not to buy that TV. We, we, I'm the one that said we shouldn't have bought that car. Is that getting too close to home? I, I'm the one that said we should not invest in that. There was danger, but no, 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 no. You had a plan. No. The reality is we all get pulled in sometime. And in this case, Paul is getting pulled into a storm, and you'll see that here in just a second, by the will of other people. And so that's where we pick this up in Acts 27, verse 14. And look what it says. It says, but not long after there, meaning after they left Fair Havens, there arose against it, the ship, a tempestuous, that's hard for me to say, a really bad storm (laughs) called Eurocladon. Now, it's interesting to me that the storm that they're coming against actually had a name. What that suggests to me is it was expected. These people are heading into something they know is coming. That don't make good sense to me, does it? Right, good word there. It's And and the translation of that word eurocladon literally means violent agitation. And so they get into this storm, the Bible tells us, and they're doing everything they could to avoid it. And oftentimes when sailors were in this situation, they would, <clears throat> they would sail around it or they would find some place to where they could go into a safety, a harbor that was safety, and they would winter there. But most sailors that ended up in this storm never came out of it. And this is where Paul is. And he is sailing into this storm, listen, because of other people's decision-making, and he's right in the will of God. That's what we've got to catch here. This is an interesting story. He's doing the will of God. He's fulfilling his destiny. And they sustained so much damage in the first four days that they went into a harbor called Clauda. For repairs, and literally what they did to repair the boat was they took ropes and they lashed. They would take the ropes and they would wrap it all the way around the boat. So basically, they're, it's, they're tying the boat together. Like, a, you know how you tie a roast together? They're tying the boat together. I mean, usually when you tie a roast together, you're going to cook it. You know what I'm saying? It's, well, this is the picture. They're tying. If you're, hey, if I go somewhere and I have to tie my car together, I'm probably taking a break. But... Not these guys. Not these guys. They're arrogant. They're like, ah, we'll just tie it together and head on. Let's go. And that's what they do. So they head out. And this is where we pick up in verse 18. It says, and we being exceedingly tossed with a tempest, the next day they lightened the ship, and the third day we cast out with our own hands the tackling of the ship, And when neither sun nor stars in many days appeared, no small tempest laid on us. Listen to this statement. All hope that we should be saved was taken away. 
This is Paul writing this. He's, he, he, he's communicating this and he's saying, you know what? It got to the point in this storm. Now, this is a man of faith. And he's in the midst of a storm, not of his own decision. And he's in the midst of God's will. And he says it got so bad. After four days, we were throwing everything off board. Anything of value, we were casting it out. The tackling of the ship. We're throwing it overboard. That's, that's what they used to run the ship. But what happened, he got to the point where we lost all hope. Right. All hope was gone. This is a man of faith. He's just, he's being real. What I love about the Bible here is the Bible is not shy of telling us how difficult it is. Amen. See, oftentimes in Christianity, in order to walk in faith, we feel like we have to deny the reality of our struggle. Oftentimes what we feel like we have to do is we have to, you know, don't say nothing, don't say that. Well, listen, I understand confession is really important, but what's happening here, he's just being real. He's saying it's bad, and all hope was gone. But somewhere in the middle of the night, something incredible happened. Listen to verse 22 and 25. It says, and now he's speaking now, he's speaking to the men of the ship. He says, and now I urge you to take heart, for there will be no loss of life among you, but only of the ship. For there stood by me this night an angel of God, whom I belong and whom I serve, saying, do not be afraid, Paul, must, Paul you must be brought before Caesar, and indeed God has granted you all those who sail with you. In other words, they're with you. They, I've given them to you. Therefore, take heart, men, for I believe God that it will be just as it was told to me. So what happens is at the worst possible moment, when all hope is lost, when everything seems to be done, when there seems to be no hope of salvation, God shows up with a word. See, that's what we need to do, church, is we need to come to a place where in our discouragement and in our, our, our struggle that we listen for the word of the Lord. The problem, church, is what we do is we tend to pay too much attention to the storm. We pay too much attention to what's going on around us. But Paul is paying attention to the one that said, I'm going to get you through this. And he gives him a word. Well, I'm going to tell you something, church. We've been given a word. It's called the Bible. We've been given precious and glorious promises, 7,000 of them to be exact. Promises for your life and for my life that will get us through any storm that we're in. Can you say amen? amen? And so what we need to do is take heart. We need to take heart because all is not lost. I know in the natural, all hope was gone. But it's not the natural that we're paying attention to. In the spiritual, greater is he that's in me than the he that's in the world. Can you say amen? Are you hearing that? See, the word of the Lord came. He says, it's going to be tough, but you're going to make it. The angel spoke to Paul on the fourth night. They were going to be in this storm ten more days. Fourteen days they fought this storm with no sleep or food. But one man had a word from God. That's what made the difference. One man had a word from God. We've been given a word. We've been given a word. You win. I know right now it looks like you're behind. I know the enemy's got 50,000 and you got zip. But the next time you step up to the plate, you're going to get 60,000. And you win. God's math, God's calculator, don't work like our calculator. 
On ours, one plus one equals one. On God's, one plus me equals everything, he says. Are you hearing me? So let's move on. In, in verse 27, he says this. He says, but when the 14th night was come, as we were driven up and down in Adria, about midnight the shipmen deemed that they were, drew near to some country and sounded and found it was 20 fathoms. And when they had gone a little further, they sounded again and found it 15 fathoms. Then fearing lest we should have fallen upon the rocks, they cast out four anchors out of the stern and wished for the day. Man, you got to love this. I love the honesty of this picture. I mean, here they are. You just let me, let me kind of give you this in, in America, in American language every day, right now. On the 14th night, they're driving up and down. They're looking. And it says, it says about midnight, they thought. They go, I think we're near land. I think it might be okay. So he says, somebody's got to take some measurements here. How deep is the water? And so they, 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 put, they sounded, and they found out they were 20 fathoms. And then all of a sudden, they found out they were 15. And here they are. Now, all of a sudden, the answer that seemed to be coming is now a real problem because they're heading headlong into the beach. I mean, now they're afraid. Hey, we're going to bust up on the rocks. Have you ever been there? You ever, you ever so confused, you're, you're at a point in your life, you're, you're struggling and you're working it through, and you think, oh, thank God, there's relief on its way. But then you realize, oh my God, I'm heading toward this way faster. Somebody better do something. And what do we do? We throw out anchors, don't we? Well, the reason they threw out anchors, what, what this literally was, is they would throw out these things that would catch water and it would create drag. Right. Have you ever thrown out an anchor? Only to have your anchor ripped off your boat? It's a drag. Both in reality and in spirituality. It really is a drag. I mean, after you go through four anchors, it's like, now what? Now what do we do? Then fearing, they're wishing, God, please just get us till so we can see. So we can see. i got to have some clarity. This is covering every gambit of everything I've ever counseled. (laughs) Everything I've ever gone through. Now look at verse 39. And when it was day, they knew not the land, but they discovered a certain creek. Now, when, when what happened is they had been blown so far off the uh, course, they don't even know where they're at. They they saw some land, but they don't know where they're at. They don't even know. Is this safe? Is this not? But then they've discovered a certain creek with a shore. In other words, this is the King James version of of saying we found a harbor with a beach. Okay? Into which they were minded, if possible, to thrust in the ship. And when they had taken up the anchors, they committed themselves unto the sea. They had come to this place. They said, look, that's a good place. And what we're going to do, we're heading in. We don't care. Take up the anchors. We're done with the drag. Let's go in as fast as we can. And they loosened the rubber, uh, the rudder bands and hoisted the mainsail and made to shore. Here they are. They, that one place, it says, and they, had, they, they, they gave themselves up to the sea. In other words, they're like, hey, whatever it's going to be, we're going to ride this baby out. We're heading in. We're done. We're done. We don't care. We're going in. 
And falling into a place where two seas met, this is actually talking about a reef, they ran the ship aground, and the forefront, the, the bow, stuck fast and remained unmovable. But the stern, the hinder part, was broken with the violence of the waves, and the soldiers' counsel was to kill the prisoners, lest any of them should swim out and escape. But the centurion, willing to save Paul, kept them from their purpose and commanded they which could swim should cast themselves first into the sea and get to land, and the rest, some on boards and some on broken pieces of the ship. And so it came to pass that they all escaped and all safe to the land. So this is the thing. Now, here's the picture. They're they're done. This is it. The boat, we're done with the boat. This obviously ain't working. We're running this baby in. They were going to run it up on the beach as fast as they can. They get there. They get stuck on a reef. And you know what happens? The, the back of the boat gets destroyed. And finally, everybody just goes, get off here and get to the beach. Y'all swim. Just go. And here's the statement I want to make. When you find that life is blowing up in front of you, you know what faith does? Faith swims. Faith swims. I want you to think about that. See, faith doesn't quit, does it? It doesn't. It, it gets right into what's hindering them and swims to shore. Literally, what happens is it rises above what's pulling it down and finds safety. See, too many people are trying to figure out what's going on. You know, I remember my dad when, when he was a pilot. He taught me about the, the ABCs of, of flying, and he said, and I went flying with a couple t- him a couple times, and, and he said, look, if I ever die while we're flying, you need to know how to get this back on the ground. And I went, thank you, that's, that's, that's pretty good. I, you know, I'm, there's no sense jumping out of a perfectly good plane, you know what I'm saying? And I'm thinking I'm going to fall like a really big rock. And so he taught me stuff. The first thing, he goes, you know what the first problem is with people that are flying when they run into crisis? They try to figure out the problem. He says, the first thing you do is aviate. When you're flying a plane, fly the plane. Fly the plane. He says, you know what? You, you, you got all time in the world to figure out what's wrong. Fly the plane. What happens is they get in and they try to figure out what the problem is. And meanwhile, the plane's heading down. Right. It's like, wait, no, if the motor shuts off, it's not really a good thing, but the plane is designed to fly. It will glide. So put it in its glide slope. Fly the plane. Christian, be a Christian. Are you hearing what I'm saying? Faith swims. Remember, God hasn't abandoned you. He's the same yesterday, today, and forever. He's with you. He's on your side. He delivered you once. He'll deliver you again. Are you hearing what I'm saying? So we got to rise above. That's what, so, hey, you might be treading water, but faith swims. Treading water is a lot better than sinking. On the scale of things that are acceptable, treading water is good. Uh, you know what I'm talking about? So let's move on. Going to Acts 28, starting verses 1 through 3. It says, And when they were escaped, and they, knew, uh, and they knew that the island was called Melita. So now they're getting a little bit more information. They were met, it says, And the barbarous people showed up with no little kindness. In other words, they were very friendly. And they kindled a fire and received us, everyone, because of this present rain and because of the cold. And when Paul had gathered a bundle of sticks... 
and he laid him on the fire. And I want to stop right there, and we'll go on here in just a second. Well, this is, this is almost like adding insult to injury. Okay, so they're in this crisis. They've, the ship is broken up. The faith is swimming, and they make it to the shore. And who do they meet? Conan the Barbarian. It's like, are you kidding me? Come on, man, give me a break. Does, does anybody ever think like I do? I don't know about you, but I get going, and I'm like, dear Lord, what? how many know people, when you're in a crisis, they can be like barbarians? You ever notice that? We'll, we'll get to see it here in just a minute. Now, in this case, they were pretty good to them. But that, it just amazes me that, that these are barbarians. These are the ones that are going to rescue him. It's like, really? Really, my rescue, my safety is going to depend on Conan? Come on. Only God thinks up stories like this. You know what I'm saying? <laughs> they're wet. They're cold. They're hungry. They've lost everything. Nothing has been saved except their lives. They've hindered, or they've entered an epic storm of you know, grand proportions. They've run aground. They've watched the only mode of transportation they had get destroyed. And Copto is at work in their lives. <laughs> Paul is being hindered. And I am sure Paul at this point is questioning the word and the wisdom of God. Yeah. But being Paul... What does he do when he gets tired? He makes a fire. He said, what? You know what faith does when it gets tired? It makes a fire. It makes a fire. What does that mean? It means it begins, faith begins to remind itself of what God's done. It rekindles the passion. So all of a sudden, here's Paul. He's tired, he's wet, he's soaked. He's in the residue of of battle, all that's going on. And he builds a fire. In other words, he changes the atmosphere. See, church, sometimes that's what you got to do. See, the problem with Christians, because I ain't speaking to barbarians, I'm speaking to Christians, what we do is we give more credit, more airtime to the problem than we do to the promise. And what we got to do is got to start a fire. We're going to have to change that atmosphere. We're going to have to say, you know what, God, you gave me a word. And thus far, while I haven't liked the method of your delivery, it is coming to pass. Are you hearing what I'm saying? So he builds a fire. See, there's got to be something on the inside of us in the hour of our tribulation that rises up and says, I'm going to be passionate about this. You know what the Bible says in James chapter 5, verse 16? It says, the effectual fervent prayer of a righteous man avails much. Do you know you're a righteous man? The Bible says in 2 Corinthians chapter 5, verse 21, you are the righteousness of God in Christ Jesus. That means your prayer is highly effective. You just got to believe that. You got to believe that. So we need to stir this passion. We need to encourage our faith. We need, to, we need to encourage ourselves in the Lord. We need to remind ourselves of what God has done and is doing. Can you say amen? amen. Well, let's move on in Acts 28, 3 through 5. And when Paul had gathered a bundle of sticks and laid them on fire, a viper. What? Are you kidding me? A snake? came out of the heat and fastened on his hand. 
holy cow, does it ever end? Have you ever felt like in a storm, it's just like one thing after another? I mean, it's like you, you get through one obstacle and it's like, really? Really, another obstacle. We, I survived the ocean. Now, thank God the barbarians were peaceful. But now this snake comes out of the heat and fastens on his hand. Now watch this. So when the natives, the barbarians, saw the creature hanging from his hand, they said to one another, No doubt this man is a murderer whom he has, whom, though he has escaped the sea, yet justice does not allow to live. you got to love that. Because isn't that just like the, the, the Christian brethren? You're going through trial and they come up and they, Hey, brother, what? What'd you do to have that happen? What what kind of sin are you involved in? It must have been a doozy. Holy cow! What you been looking at on the internet, man? You need to back off that. Because certainly godly people don't have snakes coming out of the woods. Or end up in shipwreck. You gotta love it. Man, this, this is human nature like premium. But he shook off the creature into the fire and suffered no harm. See, one of, at some time or another, what's going to happen to you in life is things are going to come out of nowhere. And they're going to try to attach themselves to you and to inject you with their poison. See, that's what the devil's going to do. He's going to try to fill you with all kinds of lies. He's going to attach himself to you. Is it things like worry and fear and doubt and unbelief, depression and, and negative thoughts and failure and bitterness and temptation and anger and the list could go on and on and on. And it's going to try to attach itself to you. So what do you do when, what does faith do when something attaches itself to it? It shakes it off. Amen. That's good right there. Hey, listen, this is a $50 seminar right here. I'm telling you, this is good. This is, this is word of God. Why? Because this is where we live. What does faith do? It swims. What does faith do? It builds a fire. What does faith do? It shakes it off. Now remember, I want you to remember something here. Because in the midst of your crisis, in the midst of your hour of trouble, people are watching how you handle it. Amen. Because remember, they're, they're all looking, you know, the barbarians are trying to figure this guy Paul out. Paul shows up and goes, yeah, I'm a man of God. I'm highly favored of God. Yeah, we, we can tell. <laughs> Not really sure I want to serve that God you're serving. Put you on a boat to go to see Moses or... Not Moses, Pharaoh. No, Caesar, there he is. One of them leaders. He's going to see a bunch of people. I always get, it's crazy. And you know what? They're looking at him. They're going, what are you doing, man? What's going on with you? Now, verse 6. How be it? They looked, and when he should have been swollen or fallen down dead suddenly, but after they looked a great while, they're just, they're amused. They saw no harm come to them. They changed their minds and said he was a god. <laughs> Let me tell you something. When, when you go through your crisis in faith, yes. when you cause your faith to swim and build a fire and shake it off, yep. people are watching, and it will change their mind. Yes, now, in this case, they went a little too far. They thought he was a god, and I'm sure, he, I'm sure Paul uh, corrected that. 
But the reality is their minds were changed. See, at first it was a credibility crisis, but then because Paul, in faith, shook off what was hindering them, their minds were changed. I want you to understand something as we bring this to a close. When we stay in faith, great things will happen. In this story... Paul has been shipwrecked. He's suffered loss of everything that he owns. He finds himself on a beach on an island that he didn't recognize. He's cold, he's wet, he's hungry, he's wore out in an atmosphere. He's trying, he's attempting to change things. He's bitten by a snake, and those that watched him assumed he was a murderer, and he was just simply reaping what he sowed. Paul is being hindered. Are you hearing me? But Paul had a word from God, and that's what he hung on to. You're going to go before Caesar. You are going to stand alive before Caesar. And because of this word, he stayed in faith. Now let's look at the results, Acts 28, 7 through 11. In the same quarters were possessions of the chief man of the island, whose name was Publius. So here's what's happening. He is now being taken care of by the governor of this island who received us and lodged us three days courteously, lavishly or extravagantly, is what that means. And it came to pass that the father of Publius laid sick of a fever and a bloody flux, to whom Paul entered in and prayed and laid his hands on him and healed him. So when this was done, others also which had disease in the island came and were healed. So all of a sudden now, this shipwreck is turning into opportunity for the glory of God. He's being recognized as a man of God, where the the head guy is now honoring him and putting him at his own home, and he's being treated with luxury, and it goes on. And then he has this opportunity to minister to people, and now they come to him, and they honored us with many honors. That literally means they gave him cash. If you go look up that word honors, it means great value or cash. And when we were departed, they laden us with such things as were necessary. And so now they have all their provisions for, every trip, for all their trip to Rome. And after three months, we departed in a ship of Alexandria, which had wintered in the isles, whose sign was Castor and Pollux. In other words, this was the Rolls Royce of ships. So in this moment, Paul, yes, he faced his crisis, but in his crisis, faith swam. And then faith built a fire. And then faith shook it off. And the result was he was honored by the highest man in the land. And they were given enough money for Paul to live for two years in Rome in a rented apartment. They had all their provisions, and they got to go there in style. Right on. Come on. That's good preaching. And the interesting thing to me in all of this is the people that did it, did it were the barbarians. The Bible says this, do you know the wealth of the wicked is laid up for the righteous? Now, we, 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 you know what that, what that means is, is, is God is your source. God will cause the people that are unthinkable to give into your life. Because of your faith. And he fulfilled his destiny. Because he stayed in faith. Let's go back to our text. Let's read it one more time. 
Whatever is born of God overcomes the world. That's you. It doesn't say that the world won't come against you. The world will try. It will. It'll try to knock you out, but you won't go down. The only way, like we said last week, the only way the devil can win is if you surrender. And what Paul learned about this is he goes, sometimes faith swims. Sometimes you've got to get out of the boat and swim, make for sure. It's like you know, people come in all the time, Pastor, I'm just treading water. Thank God. Hallelujah. <laughs> Keep treading, baby. Don't stop swimming. Keep going. Yeah. Sometimes all we can do is just build a fire. That's it. Change your atmosphere. Worship him. He's worthy. Are you hearing me? And sometimes what you got to do when the devil gets on you, shake him off. Shake it off in the fire he came from. Actually, actually, that's not true. Shake it off in the fire that you just built through worship. That's a little better. I like that strategy. It'll burn him up. This is a powerful picture of spiritual warfare in just practical life. It's not this, just this all this mumbo-jumbo. And I'm not against the mumbo-jumbo. Get, let me, that's fun. But sometimes I don't have energy for all that. Sometimes all I can do is tread water. There you go. Thank you. You know what I love about the picture of God is that when I'm treading water, he's right there and he goes, you know what, John? I'm with you, man. I'm with you. Keep going. I know you're wet, you're cold, all that, but you're going to build a fire. I'm going to warm you. And when that thing comes out of nowhere that seems to want to be insult to injury, he says, just shake it off. Shake it off. Just, it's, it's no big thing. And then when the people of God want to look at you and judge you for being in the crisis, they're just barbarians. I don't, I don't, I don't know that. I get, I'm getting some people going like that. But I'm going to tell you what, when you stay in faith, holy cow, God will bless you. He'll bless you. See, look, at, here, here's, the, here's the end of it, and I'll, I'll shut up. Your storm may actually be the pathway to your greatest blessing. It was for Jesus. Remember, Jesus came walking on the water to the disciples. They were freaked out, but Jesus, the storm was his pathway to them. Their storm. I guarantee you, Jesus will come on the water. Because he's above all that. And the great news is, so can you. Peter was a wet water walker. What does that mean? He got out of the boat and he walked a couple steps. Two steps more than any other human being other than Jesus. So you, you can look at him and go, well, he sunk. Well, he, for two steps, he was up there. That's more than I've done. I sink pretty quick. You put me in a bathtub, I'm at the bottom. It's like, wow, look how fast that dude sunk. God loves us. Man, he loves us. We can, we can, we can win here. Because that's it. You're getting ahead of me. Isn't God good? Why don't you bow your heads with me? Father, we thank you, Lord, for the time that we've had together. Father, we thank you for this series that has taught us how to fight a good fight. 
and not to be discouraged because we are in a fight. Lord, we pray that this would penetrate our hearts and our lives and our minds and our spirits. And that when we encounter those moments where we just don't make sense of things and and we seem to be buffeted and hindered and, and things are coming out of nowhere, that our faith would swim. That our faith would make a fire. And that our faith would shake it off. And that we would see the goodness of the Lord in the land of the living. I pray, Father, for every home in this place, God, that you bless it. Help them, encourage them, strengthen them. And Father, we just give you all the glory and all the honor. I wonder, very quickly, every head's bowed, every eye's closed. If you're here and you don't know Jesus as your Savior, but you say, that's me, Pastor, I need Jesus. If that's you, would you lift your hand? Lift it up. Say, that's me, Pastor, I need Jesus. Amen, I see that hand. Someone else, lift it up. Lift it up quickly. Amen, I see that hand. Someone else. Someone else, you want Jesus. Would you pray with me? In fact, would you all pray this prayer? Now, I know a prayer doesn't save you. Confession does. When you believe in your heart and confess with your mouth, you're saved, the Bible said. So we use this prayer as a form of confession to say to Jesus, I believe you. I believe you died for me and that you rose again. So pray this prayer. Say, Lord Jesus, I ask you to come into my life to forgive me of my sins. I believe you. I believe you died for me and you rose again and you've given me new life. Help me to live for you. In Jesus' name, amen. If you prayed that prayer for the first time, congratulations, amen. Praise God. We're glad for you. Our prayer team is going to come up. They're going to be up here. If you prayed that prayer the first time, come on up. Let our prayer team know. Let them minister to you. Why don't we stand to our feet? We're going to release the rest of you.